Welcome to everyone here to LOI Weekly for episode 11 with Johnny Ward and Daniel MacDonald. And tonight uh, we're going to be joined by two guys in the studio who are on opposite sides of the Loud Divide, Brian Gartland and Stephen Elliott. And uh, going to really look forward to talking to the guys. Obviously, Sleeve, Stephen Elliott was in before and uh, Brian Gartland was a guest on Air Sport for much of the games that he missed through injury last season when Dundalk were in Europe. Uh, and we're going to go through uh, the first sort of third of the season so far, uh, which has been pretty interesting, to put it mildly, uh, especially if you're a Cork City fan. Uh, we're going to start, though, with the big story of the day, which uh, is, without doubt, uh, the FEI's statement on at Lone Town, uh, which I'm going to briefly read out, and then we'll also read out the at Lone follow-on. And the statement is as follows. Uh, the Football Association of Ireland has launched an investigation into Athlone Town AFC regarding potential breaches of FAI rules. Uh, a detailed report has been received from UEFA highlighting regular betting patterns around the club's SC Artricity League first division game at Longford Town on Saturday, April 29th. And incidentally, that was a game that uh, Longford won 3 1. In its report to the FEI, which was received on Tuesday, May 2nd, UEFA presented analysis which demonstrated the irregular betting patterns on international markets. The FEI has opened an investigation on the matter, and a copy of UEFA's report has been submitted to Angarda Shiakana. The FEI has written to both clubs involved in the fixture. Interviews will take place with players, coaches, and officials of Athlone Town AFC commencing Monday, May 8th. If the investigation determines a breach of FEI rules, charges will be issued and the matter will be heard by the FEI Disciplinary Committee in accordance with FEI rules. The FEI has been monitoring the club since it received information from UEFA following an inquiry by FEI Competitions Director Frank Gavin prior to the start of the 2017 season. The FEI remains in regular contact with UEFA and will be seeking further information. And uh, this bit is real uh it's, it's, it's one way to end it i suppose on march 29th mr gavin delivered an integrity workshop presentation to at lone town afc senior squad and coaches on the prevention of match fixing and betting in his role as fai integrity officer and now i have uh, somewhere here i have the response from athlone town the board and management committee of at lone town afc are absolutely shocked by the contents of documentation forwarded to us by the fai and uefa following our recent first division game against longford town the club absolutely abhors match fixing and never knowingly get involved in such unacceptable activity the club will be fully up cooperating with those conducting the investigation and look forward to meeting with fai officials next week should any of the allegations be upheld the club will take action against any wrongdoers the club will not be commenting any further on the matter until the investigation has been completed and obviously, Dan, there's not much we can say apart <coughs> from what I read out there. But uh, what we can definitely say is uh, it's not exactly good publicity for the League of Ireland. Uh, oh, no, you can definitely say that. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I, I always find it interesting when statements uh, from the respective parties seem to throw in words that actually you'd be pretty reluctant to use otherwise. Even the, uh, uh, the, the point of information at the bottom of the FEI statement on March the 29th uh, Mr. Gavin delivering an integrity workshop uh, to Atlone squad coaches, etc., on the prevention of max fitching, fixing and betting. So you can include those words in, uh, you know, that's a reference to match fixing and the Atlone statement, as you mentioned. Um, I mean, the FBI were just mentioning a general investigation into irregular betting patterns, but Atlone's statement, the club absolutely abhors match fixing. So they're just throwing that, they're throwing that into the mix when, when I would have assumed. <laughs> irregular betting patterns. Still, irregular betting patterns leaves things open. We need to find out what has actually happened. And just something you tweeted earlier. What did Fran Gavin say earlier in the oh, season? Well, yeah, it's going to be interesting or something like that. Well, it was going to be. A, a, I mean, are we really? Are we really stunned by 
um, sort of what's going on. Um, I guess Athlone have been a talking point that we've sporadically sort of referred to across this season. Um, and there has been a sort of a, you know, the, the, the confusion over who was the manager. You know, Colin Fortune was there. Then you had Ricardo Monsanto was there. Then he was gone. Um, so Fran's previous comments, I suppose, become relevant because, I mean, it's nice to have a statement from that loan. It's lovely to have a statement from that loan. We'd like to have a statement from that loan saying who their owners are. You know, I mean, who actually are the people behind the club? I mean, this sort of unprecedented scenario where we're sort of okay with the fact that there's people running a club, but they don't want their identity to be known. The club's not willing to tell them. Um, but Fran Gavin has said, he said it in March, March 15th, yeah, various papers, he made the point that I've met the new investors in that loan and they're quite ambitious, he said. Um, and he added on top of that that there could be a, a unique project there and, I mean, it may but well turn out to be the case. Has been, yeah. uh, and then added, of course, you know, Dundalk's success has showcased the league to investors in Europe, he said. It has opened up a market to us which hasn't been there for a long time. At loans, investors saw what Dundalk did and the club were approached. They would want to go with the lowest input for the maximum gain. And then point, yeah, at owner building a unique project and look like they'll be competitive this season. If you're an investor looking to get in and showcase players, the League of Ireland is attractive. Once it's done right, success can come fairly quickly. So I, 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 I actually don't think there's much more we can say about that. I'm going to leave it up to uh, the listener. And what I will say is that from, I'm from East Galway. At Lone is my, technically my local club. And I've fond memories, actually, as much of a dump as St. Mel's was. I used to like going to games there back in the day. Some great rivalry between Galway and Athlone. And to see the strides that the guys beside me are making, and then you get this nonsense going on in the first division at a really proud old League of Ireland club is is really, really pathetic. And I just hope that it's sorted out once and for all. And Atlone can get back to uh, maybe even in the Premier Division uh, in some time in the near future. Anyway, Brian Gartland and Stephen Elliott are here. Uh, how are you guys? Good, thanks. I'm very good, thanks, Johnny. And... Uh, You've been on the show twice in the first sort of series now, Sleeve, so you're... you're Second time now, yeah? yeah. Yeah, and... Not quite at Damien Lynch levels, I mean, he's just here all no. the time. Well, <laughs> Sleeves is still actually playing in the League of Ireland. Yeah, he's <laughs> at Damien, just has a lot of spare time. Um, yeah. And uh, you're having a little bit of banter about uh, training. You, you trained this evening, did you? Yeah, Sleeves? that's right. It's Wednesday evening as we're speaking, by the way, yeah. Yeah. in this context. So... What would be the difference in your training regimes, Brian, compared to you, Stephen? Uh, one of you is full-time and one of you is part-time. Well, we train. We train. We'll probably do a cool-down on the weekend if we played on a Friday night or a Saturday night, and then we'll train on the... It depends. If a game falls on a Friday, we'll probably train on the Monday and the Wednesday, and then if we play on the Saturday, we'll probably train on the Tuesday and the Thursday. And what was interesting talking to the new Sligo boss last week, Ger uh, Little was... Uh, that's I think at Cliftonville they train Brian twice a week. Yeah, up north. So Just I played up there for yeah. two was or it three like years. Um, well, when I was with Porto Down, I trained for one hour a week with them and played on the Saturday. But they would the lads up there would have trained Tuesday, Thursday. And were you compelled to train played. on your own then as well, or? Yeah, I would have always kept fit. So I didn't train with any clubs down here really. I just did my own bits in the morning and you know kept me kept myself right. Um, up there, I remember Linfield at the time used to train an extra day or so, and that really, I suppose, set them apart a bit. They they were fitter than any other team, and that, um, in comparison to draw, there's not much between us really in terms of like we might do one extra session, but see the weekend there, like if we have the the game on the Monday, 
we were in Thursday, game Friday, cool down Saturday in Sunday morning, then game Monday, cool down Tuesday. And What's then a cool down? You're in your gym, so if in the gym you're doing a cool down, you might do stretch, foam roll, in the pool, ice baths, a um, bit of upper body weights. Lads that didn't play or, or might, maybe only played a few minutes will do a, a speed power session and stuff like that with Graham Bourne and, or if they're in Dundalk away from do their, their own one, you know. How long yeah. are you full-time? Um, I suppose since we're with Dundalk. Um, do you find, is there ever any boredom that you find the day long? or uh, well, You've other stuff going on. Yeah, though, Brian, see, don't listen, you? I'd, be, I'd be different to the other lads in Dundalk, a lot of the other lads. There's a few of them. Dave McMillan would work as well. Um, a lot of the other lads, not really many of them. Shane Grimes works. I'm trying to think off the top of my head still who's left. Um, Andy Boyle worked until the middle of last year, saying that he, he packed it in, but... I'd work, so I'm, I'm kept busy the whole time. Like, I'm up and down the road to Dublin to work. Um, but that's what I was going to say. The difference is between full-time and part-time. There might be so many sessions in terms of with the team, but it's what you do outside and your recovery and, and that that goes with it. I'm sure Stephen agree with that. that yeah, it, it, I think as well, obviously, we, we're kind of part-time, but I'm sure a lot of the lads, especially in the draw of the team, even they'll go to the gym and do, do their, their own, own kind sessions, of gym, yeah. gym session because we've obviously got all our, our own plans for every individual and that. And obviously, a lot of the lads are working full time as well. I'd say the majority of the lads are working in the squad, but you probably get an hour or so in the gym. I know I'll, I'll do a little bit more myself as well in the gym for certain exercises I need to do to kind of maintain some of my past injuries and that. But like I know a lot of the other lads that go to the gym as well and, and continue on with their plan that they've been given by the fitness coach. Brian, I mean, Brian, you do have one of the more detailed, like, Twitter bios. For It's not just your average, you know, baller or something, you know. But know. That was done baller, years ago. Baller, you know, professional footballer for Dundalk, BSC sports management entrepreneur as well. So uh, well, better. I set up me, me business, and you know how even buzzwords like that in Twitter, <laughs> people start following you, you get connections and stuff yeah. like that in business-wise. So I suppose that's why it What was sort of business were you working in just for people who don't, who don't um, know? I run after-school classes for kids and summer camps and that. So it's, it's basketball, but really, like we take them from age four to, to 12, and a lot of the time we do other fun games, you know, and it's just all working on, on motor skills, cognitive skills, and child development, even socially, you know, it's brilliant for them, and it's also babysitting, you know. Because you used to play... Parents just throw them in. Rewarding for you, though, as well. I oh, I love it, yeah. I love yeah. it. And that's why, like, it's one of the main things is that not only that, it, you know, it's it's my career after football, but uh, it's something I love doing. Like, when we got, for the last three months of the year there, I was hardly at work, yeah. and I relied on people, and I was lucky at good people to, to do bits for me, you know. Um, but then... The last few months, I've started getting back really into it because we're back into a routine, and obviously it's not as full on as when we had Europe and that. And it's sort of it's shown me how much I love it and working with kids. And like Stephen says, it's rewarding when you see a kid, you know, that can't even bounce a ball or throw a ball or socially isn't connecting with other kids. Yeah. And then a few months down the line, just because they're playing a game or you know what I mean, they're they've new friends. They're, they're engaged. You know, building up their confidence, confidence as well. Yeah, isn't confidence because you, you used to play basketball when you were younger. Did you play with Michael Darren McCauley? Yeah, me and Mick played all the, all the way growing up. So. What, le- like what level was that at or what team was, was that with? Well, we would have played club. We went to primary school together and then Michael went off to Blackrock College. Ballyrum Boys School. Where is, which is where? It's in Raffarnham. So I'd be from Knockline only mm-hmm. two minutes up the road. So Mick went off to Blackrock, I think, college and I went to Clarstainer which is the school just around the corner. And uh, that would be a big basketball school. So, like, when I finished playing, I think we'd won the under-16 All-Ireland or so, and that's when I had to 
pack it in for football. You have to choose, basically. That yeah, point. pretty much. Like you're playing Gaelic, playing basketball, and playing soccer. You know, pretty busy. Yeah. yeah. Michael Dara has become quite a player, hasn't he? Oh, he's something else. Mm. Like he, he had trouble with injuries. You know, he came through. I suppose in the Dublin scene late on. Like he wouldn't have came through the Dublin minors and so on. Uh, as prominent, I don't think, because I remember he had back problems and he was playing the basketball at a really good level. And then he decided, to give the guy a go. And Ballyball the seniors wanted to go. And he just got himself into unbelievable shape. And I suppose uh, every time I watch him, I'm always just thinking in my head, oh, that's from basketball, that's from basketball. Because his hands, <laughs> he's catching at a ball. He, he, looks, he looks like a basketball player, doesn't yeah. he? Like, I remember one thing in an All-Ireland final and the ball comes up the sideline. One of the players, I don't know it was Mayo, Kerry a few years ago, thought they had it. And all of a sudden, boom, boom. He just bounced it. And the two hands yeah. went to, like before he even got there. Stephen, did you play any other sports kind of growing up? Yeah, I done a bit of Gaelic with the school and that, but no, nah, I was always I always played soccer. That was the only that was my only passion really growing up as a kid. I didn't really look into any other sports. All my family were mad into the Gaelic and stuff, but I just never really appealed to me that much. Like I'd watch the big games, like the obviously if Dublin were in the later rounds of the All Ireland and that, but it's it's not a big passion of mine. And as as two uh, Dubs, where do you see the future in terms of Dublin kids now? Are they going to become more? And more into football because in, into Gaelic football because of how big Dublin have become. Or is football going to still be the main sport? Are they going to get into hurling? Rugby is probably an issue because of maybe concussion and so forth. But I guess if you had your own kids, where would you think they'd be going? Well, playing with? well, I've got four kids, and obviously they would have had the majority of their young life growing up in the UK. So they're more into soccer than than Gaelic at the moment. And my little boy plays like for Shelbourne and that in the youth set up there, but. I don't know. I think, importantly, whether they play football, Gaelic or any hurling, I think it's important that they get out there and play a sport now because in a day where you, you see all the kids now, I look at my own even sometimes, they're sitting on their iPads and their computers and it's so easy for them just to kind of get, get zoned out for a couple of hours and that. And I, I do try and encourage my own to get out and play, like especially now the weather's getting a little bit better. I think it's very important that parents and children make sure that they don't let their kids develop into kind of these kids that just don't go out and socialize with other yeah. children it's a big thing i think it's massively important as well for the for the future of sport in general i think kids need to be out on the streets playing playing sports and because I, I don't think they're doing that as much as say when i was even a, a kid do you have as parents do you have concerns about um how you know how i suppose insidious smartphones and all that stuff is becoming like yeah. well, do I you think, think if you you know down the line it's going to be a problem for coming from that not even for for sports and you know getting out there and playing sports and stuff if you are sitting at home you're not going out playing games whatever like you say any sport you play later in life you can't throw a ball you can't do this you can't do anything you don't have any motor skills or you might not have them as good so we're going to have people that have less mobility in such you know what I mean and if you want to do something later in life even if you're on holiday and you want to go walking up a hill or you want to go do an activity you're not able to do it and if you, if you don't learn it at a young age you miss a window of you know there's certain coaching theories of the best ages for kids like from four to eight different skills and throwing skipping jumping even just running there's so many kids I see and they can't even run properly yeah, the world yeah. has just gone massively all yeah. tech now, all That's of a sudden. It, yeah. 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 I, 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 I think but you do wonder about yeah. football as well, and I think Damien Duff's spoken about this a couple of times, that... You know, you know, lads are playing football with their clubs, but that's the only time that's that they're actually playing thing. football. So they, they, yeah. they're, they're almost being coached. That's like, we're, growing up, we used to spend every second exactly. off the, the chair. Like, it's two hours, wherever they train with, with their teams, like, I know it's an hour and a half, mm. twice a week. It's not enough for, no. for, for kids to improve to the levels that they need to be at to be in these elite uh, sport teams. Even the Gaelic, the Hall, and every, 
thing like you need to be practicing on the street not away from your from your actual club time as well because you learn you, you pick up little skills I'm sure yeah, Brian's the of, same even basketball wherever you're bouncing yeah. the ball I'm sure when you were playing like when I have kids I, I just want them to play as many sports as they play yeah. Because you don't you have pick any uh, kids yet, find you? No. no. Well, not that I know. Can we edit that out? <laughs> they're going to be Dundalk kids as well, you see. So they're yeah. not going to be uh, represented Dublin. I might get her back down to they Dublin. They won't be representing Dublin, you <laughs> see. That's the problem. problem. Yeah. I, I guess uh, we should also just go through the results from last week. <coughs> oh, Johnny, you see, I can see... I have, have to just go through them. This is really unfortunate that Brian has to be here after like 10 weeks of misery for Johnny and the one... It wasn't... It wasn't... Come on, you've had a spring I'm going to go through the results. Of, uh, bring it on. Was Brian Porpsley chosen for, for this, I think for this so, weekend? I think so, yeah. He actually did text on Saturday morning, Johnny. Just well, we've got a brave, brave fan down the end of the table there as well. <laughs> Bohemians 2, Finn Harps 0. Cork City 2, Bray Wanderers 1. Derry City 2, St. Pat's 2. Uh, Drogheda United 1, Sligo Rovers 1. We'll get your sleeves on that now uh, momentarily. Go United 2, Dundalk 1. And Shamrock Rovers 1, Limerick 1. And Boos ringing around Tala at the end. Uh, sleeves it looked a kind of a game that maybe you should have won so it seemed to have more chances than Sligo maybe I think so yeah we started the game really well we started on the front foot and um, we, we could have been two or three up inside a fourth half hour the keepers made a couple of saves and we managed to take the lead but they had a spell just before half time and they kind of came into the game they, they got a penalty which was a fair enough penalty our, our full back ma- uh, made a mistake on the tackle but our keepers made a great save Stephen McGuinness and you're thinking then we win a half time Winning one nil, do you know what I mean? But then they, they got a goal from a corner right right on the kick at half time, which kinda changed uh, mindset going in at half time for us. But still even second half, was, I think we were the only team that looked like we were gonna win the game, but a point, we got a point on the table. Like earlier on in the season we played bowls as well at home where we thought we probably deserved to get a bit more of the game. We ended up losing that game. So you you kinda have to look at the positives and say sure. we, we created chances because 11 games in of the season we're probably in a position where we thought we may be so we're not going to get too down about it and I think the weekend's performance was probably one of our better performances Stephen like you've, I know you missed a couple of games in the middle but you, there's been a whole series of games and I know uh, you've had an interrupt, interrupted run with injury it's maybe your first proper crack at the league here like how have you found that series of games and sort of the overall standard of what you've encountered generally? Yeah, from a personal level, I have to say, I'm, I'm, re- I'm starting to really enjoy my football again because for three or four years, I, I hardly play. I hardly yeah. kicked the ball through through injuries and other stuff. And yeah, I was, I was, I was just thinking there that after the weekend's game, I think I've played seven or eight games and it's probably the most games I've played in a short period of time than, than God knows how long. And I'm starting to feel my sharpness coming back in, which... and. At at the at this stage of my career, I'm just I'm just really enjoying my football again, and it's it, for me it's great to be back out there and moving freely again. And I'm hoping now that I can kick on now into the next two tours of the season. Because we did speak to you about the last time you were on about that, and mm. it's just interesting that um, is it just like little things in the game, little movements that you're able to get to a ball, or just something you you realise yeah, in yourself. I think I'm so. Yeah. Back here, yeah. yeah. I, as I said, I, I probably looking looking at the games I played so far. I'd like to probably have a few more goals, obviously, but. The thing, the positive I'm looking at is I'm getting getting the chances and I'm feeling sharp. Like the weekend, I felt really sharp. I felt like you had a gorgeous left foot shot. Yeah, I just yeah. I felt I felt like certain movements. I was moving for the ball. They were feeling natural again for me because I think for the first four or five games, I was finding my feet again, getting used to kind of being in the match situation environment. Because as I said, it was so long. It's not that you forget how to play football, but you forget. I know. People say oh, it's not the level where I was playing, but it's still a it's still a tough level, as Brian said. Everybody's up for the games, and it's 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 a 
it's very competitive and no I'm re I'm really enjoying it. I'm really enjoying being up at Trotter. The lads are all great. They give a hundred percent effort and even the coaches there are, are fantastic and it's it's been a really enjoyable season for us so far. Killian Brendan is back now as well. Um the last time I saw you was in the first round of games against Go United and he went off injured that night and he hasn't been seen until I think he came off the bench today against yeah, Sligo. He, he came on he came on uh, late second half there the weekend and it'll it'll be a big boost for us to have somebody of his uh, experience kind of What are the Brendan boys like if yeah. Bit of a family of them there. Yeah, there's there's a gang. Brian, of you're, Brian is laughing actually. I've played with a few of the lads. Yeah, well. they're lovely fellas. Yeah, Everyone yeah. in the league has played with a Brennan. Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah, true. Yeah, there's, there's a gang of them there, and obviously, like the, the, they know they're they're loud boys. They're from Drogheda, so they're very passionate about the club. And said, like you mentioned, Killian coming back in now, and there's obviously Sean there. There's a lot of experience with with the three of them, and that'll help us a lot because we are a young young team. And as the season goes on, and when you probably get down to the business ends, we will need that experience to help us ho hopefully get over the line. Any any partic particular players in Drogheda that have kind of maybe grown as the season has gone on? Um, yeah, this, I think our, our goalkeeper's done well at times. Um, again, he's, he's made some good saves, including a great penalty save the weekend. Um, we've, we've got really we've got some really good young talent. I think uh, young Connor Kane, our left back, has come into the team there over the last few weeks, and he's, he's been, been probably one of our best players in the last couple of weeks. And he's got great potential. He, I think he's only eighteen. I think he's. I think I heard Kenny Cunningham mention him actually on the show there. Uh, yeah, he mentioned him actually. He mentioned in passing, and yeah. he's, uh, he's he's been really impressive. He's got a great attitude, and he's he's one of these kids that's w willing to learn and listen. And I think he has a big future in the game. And uh, getting to matters of more importance now, it was a bit of the good, bad, and the ugly for you in Terryland <laughs> because uh, personally, and all, yeah. yeah. But in fairness, I mean, it's it's kind of summed up your season in a in a way because you almost certainly did not deserve to lose the game, and then right at the minute you've deflected goal, you kind of stretch for it. It was well on target as it was, and it was maybe you know it was going to be saved, but it was just one of those things after after your delightful uh, defense split and pass set up uh, the equaliser from yeah. McMillan. Don't do many of them. Um, yeah, like you say, it's you know we we didn't deserve to lose the game. Definitely, whether we deserve to win it is another story. Creating chances and working, kind of winning goal, you know. Um, but we had the ball, we dictated, and it sort of sums up how some of the games are going for us. It's just you know when your luck's not in, it's it's not in, you know. The deflected goal and another day that would hit off me go anywhere. Against that though, the first goal was 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 not good defending. You know, a free. It wasn't, for and especially when. When you see, if you pause it, just, you know, when they get the ball at the position, we're in, we've four or five of us back there. And um, it's it's a cross in the box when nobody's in the box. Finney's outside the box when he's crossed it, you know. But it's a great great finish and great header uh, by Vinny. But from our point of view, it's, you know, it's not good. Not good Has it just been the transition, Brian? I know it's that one of these words that gets used, but I guess you've had a certain familiarity over the last couple of years, and even yourself, it's yourself and Andy most of the time. Are you just trying to learn about each other as a group, as about yeah. players, about partnerships, whatever it might be? We are. We've new new partnerships all over the pitch. You know, whether it's right back and right winger, it's it's chopped and changed with Gano getting injured and Nico's coming. He's been brilliant, but then we've a new winger in as well. So just when Gano's played a few games with him, you know that's changing and understands myself at centre half. And if Paddy's got injured, Sean's got injured. Um, Dane was injured for a couple of. I think there's only two of us out of the twenty that haven't been injured this season. You know that have missed games. So, getting a bit of a rhythm, but in saying that, we've we've got such quality that we always have a, a good eleven that's capable of winning any game on the pitch. So, there's no excuses when it comes to it. In the end, yeah, bit of it looks out, bit of it. It's you know, we just you know we're playing in fits and spurts. Sometimes it's lovely football. We scored some great goals. We actually had one of our best games against Stephen here, and um, you scored in that game, didn't you? Late goal. Yeah, late goal. Yeah, I think it was a free kick. 
we're yeah. a work free kick. <laughs> yeah, you were left a little bit alone. <laughs> well. Stephen, the lads don't want to talk about this. Like <laughs> but um, hand on heart now, sleeves. Drogheda have played obviously both these sides, Cork and Dundalk. How would you match them up? Um, well, they both was, both beat us convincingly in the two games we played against both of them. But obviously against Cork, we had the man sent off pretty early in the game, which changed the whole kind of scene. Seen in that game, the man sent off against Dundalk as well, hadn't you? Yeah, that was late on. Like I mm. think, Dund- I think we were well beaten in the Dundalk game. To be fair, I don't think we ever really got going, and that never really got got into it. I think Dundalk were comfortable against us, and we didn't play that great that night. But against Cork, I know we got beaten. I think we could have probably given them a bit more of a game. Not saying we would have won the game, but we could have given them a little bit more of a game if we had kept eleven players on the pitch because we'd equalised straight after they scored, and you could sense that they were a little bit nervous, and obviously. United Park isn't an easy place to play, especially kind of when the crowd uh, get behind us. But um, no, I, I was I've been impressed with both teams. Like, and you, you you have to look at Cork this season, like to win eleven games out of eleven games in any league is is mighty impressive. And because the more you win, it, like teams are looking at you, they want to shoot you down. And the fact that they they've been able to win every game so far, I'm sure Brian will agree. It's it's been it's been really really impressive. And they're up there now on merit, and it's up to everybody else to try and kind of catch them. Dan, the 21 points from 33 games from Dundalk, just below two-thirds of the points available, it's not that bad. It's just a cork of 33. You know? Yeah, it is. It is a, I mean, I was up at the game on, on Monday, the EA Sports Cup game, and I did speak to one or two of the Dundalk lads, and I sort of were making the point. I mean, are you going in on a Friday and looking at the results? And it's like, God, they've, they've won it again. Because you would think, you know, 22 points, whatever it is, or 21 points, that... Yeah, you might be six or seven off the pace. I mean, way, twelve is as yeah. a. The way we look at it, well, the way I'd look at it is over the last few years we've always been between on a good round of games, twenty-seven to thirty. You know, good yeah. rounds of games. Now, if we were a little bit off that, we wouldn't be complaining too much with the chop and change we've had. So many new players and that in the first round of the series. So one or two results gone against us, sort of thing. If we'd a bit of luck, maybe we'd be there. Now. Put that aside. There's nothing we could do about Cork. Cork yeah. are winning, and, and well, like Stephen says, that's it's fair play to them. And it, it's a great record. They say, you know what I mean. Do you have to beat them in the in the two games that are left? Well, I suppose it depends on all the other results as well. There's a lot of games to play before we play them again at the break. But looking at it now, yeah, you're you gonna to say you're gonna say that. But if we catch up points and you don't lose to them and you draw, you know, do, does does the whole thing hinge on whether they hold on to Sean McGuire or not? Are they capable of dropping 12 points? I, I actually think they're overrated. I don't think... I think there are a lot of games that have been touch and go, but they, they have a, a method of getting results. If they Do they need to lose Maguire for Dundalk to win the league? No, I don't think so. And Like I've always said, even when we've been winning the leagues and, and pushing on the last three years, is that I try not to concern myself with any other teams, let it be Cork. And I think that's what we need to do again now, is we just look one game at a head, one game at a time. You keep getting on. You pick up your three points. You keep picking up your three points. You worry about yourself. Listen, it's up. To, it's Cork at twelve points clear, and it's up to them to to lose the league from there. Right. The thing is, though, like you say, like I would like to see if Cork lose a game, how they react because they are used to chasing Dundalk over the last few seasons, and now they're in the situation where you find yourselves. And, and we did it a couple of years ago. We were ahead by a good few points going into the last few games, and they went into the final game ahead of us, only needing a draw. You know, like you know, over the years and things mm. when pressure mentality in in, uh, in football is is a strong thing. Brian, did did, did it does it feel any different this year? Because um, 
I think people forget how many changes you've had and losing, obviously, Finn Boyle and uh, Horgan. But also you've brought in so many new faces into the squad and in terms of the dynamic and, I guess, how you get on well together, ha- has it been an easy transition in terms of bonding with the new personnel? Yeah, one thing the gaffer does when he brings in new people is he'll bring in good people, you know, off the pitch as well. So he doesn't want to bring in anyone that unsettles the dressing room because... That's you know that can be your season. He's forensic about how he researches. Yeah, it, isn't and he? he will do his, his his research. You know, he'll ask people that knows people well. You know, before he signs a player, and um, all the lads we signed, uh, they're good lads, lovely fellas, um, and again, they're getting used to us and the way you know the way we work, the way the team works, and that. And I remember in the interview at the start of the season, I said that. Each of them will find their feet at different times through the year. You'll have you might have a couple of lads start this off season really Mickey was flying start of the season, you know. Um and then a couple of months later you might have someone else that sort of just clicks and gets in the rhythm then because they've they found a feet. Unfortunately we don't have the time really for that now because we're behind, you know. So um like I said, I don't want, I don't I don't want to be making excuses because I think it's it far is from over. It, it is yeah, what it is, it but is it's far it is. it's far from over. You know, and I don't like talking about other teams either. And the only thing I say about Cork is, you know, hats off to them. They've been great so far in terms of results wise. I haven't seen them play much and you know, you were saying your opinion on them, but I've only seen them against us and I thought on that day both both teams It was a disjointed were, enough game, wasn't it? I think it? both teams were below average below and that has, standard, has it been? We're just speaking generally because not to sort of labour the whole the Dock Cork and Dock Cork. Just as a player in the league, a long-standing player in the league, would you say it's been a good league this year? Just in terms of you know week to week sort of standard of opposition and team. How do you, how do you, how would you say it's set? Yeah, it's it's up and down. Um, I suppose, like I said, I don't like commenting on other teams. Yeah, you know, um, but it's very competitive, and I think the the games have been maybe structured in a certain way with three teams going down. That's the, that points the are so, points. so yeah. valuable. And we're playing against teams and they just don't want to lose. They don't want to lose. They can't take that risk because one point is so valuable to you. Yeah, I mean, are you conscious about that? It seems that yeah, you, from the start of the season, you're not having this necessarily six, seven games to settle in. No, I think... It's, it's hanging over it's everybody, crazy. isn't it? Yeah, well, we met, when I was on the show earlier on, we talked about teams kind of being that little bit more nervous this, this season because of the three teams going down. And I think if you look at the league table now, it's, it's, it's ever so tight if you take away the top three or four teams. Like, I think it's five or six points between... Six, uh, fifth place, and kind especially of with Galway winning now, it's, a, yeah. it's sort of yeah, so it's like you can't, you can, nobody can rest in the laurels, and you're always not looking over your shoulder, but you always know one defeat could kind of get you right back down the table, and vice versa. One like we we were sitting in a situation there last week if results had gone our way, we we could have been in fourth, like if we had won the game, and that's how tight it is at the moment, but. I think the teams that will come out on top will be the teams that, like we said earlier on, can put that out. Like Brian says, forget about other teams and just concentrate on your own game and trying to get the job done each week. Like, because you've seen some of the results, even like going back to, I want to remind Brian again, but like Galway beating Dundalk, nobody would have probably seen that result coming. So you can't, you can't kind of take anything for granted. And, and that's, I think that part of that is coming from the nervousness that's in player players now because they know the three teams are going down because everybody's desperate and they're fighting like like everything for every goal even because you never know goal difference may even come into it it's that tight it's, it's, you know? it's, it's definitely possible going into the last series of games that uh, nobody will be relegated and four or five teams could potentially be relegated because as I see it Brian 
between Galway United, who are bottom, and even Rovers, and I'd say Bray are a little bit ahead, and obviously Dundalk, but say eight teams, I don't see an awful lot of a difference between eight of them, and the results seem to bear that out, because a lot of teams are just beating each other. Yeah, um, like I said, it's, it's so tight, and anyone can beat anyone. You know, apart from Cork at the moment, <laughs> <laughs> nobody can be Cork. But, uh, do, do, are you are you but, a fan of us? And um, Dan, you've, you you seem to have mixed feelings I'm about it. I, I'm I I I'm the more the season goes on, the more I resent it. Well, not for the feeling that right. We're going to go down to ten teams, and we talked about the first division earlier and how the wages, the money is less. We've got less players coming through playing at a professional standard or semi-professional standard then, or playing in that quality games every week. And you're giving these, you know, young lads that are getting a chance to come through. There's less opportunity going to come through from it. That's that's yeah. the one thing I worry about from it. Yeah, see, the point I would make, and I do have mixed views now, and I'm still not, I'm still not really sure to be honest. I should have a firm opinion. To me, I, I do wonder if you need to have like a top flight that is pretty much close to, to full time. You know, as close yeah. as can be. That's not a nice thing to say about say when you're at, when you've drawn and, and sort of clubs that are quite part time. But I wonder baseline standard if you have a fully professional top flight because we have this talking point to say you know Shawnee Maguire and transfer fees and stuff and you know if you had a fully professional It'd top division fee, yeah. maybe fees would go up so that to me is the only the only argument for it is I, I, I quality. Tot- I'm totally against that. I, I, I just think you look at it, ten teams in the in the playing each other four times. Seems, you can look two and four like you've seen over the last few years. There's been teams that. I haven't got a win and they're 10 games to go you know they're down mm. you know and they're not competitive in the league and so it's sort of unusual how it's coming in in a year where there actually is a levelling of standards because there have mm. been as you're sort of alluding to there has been 12 team leagues where there's been one or two really poor sides mm. at the bottom that have been but the, the thing you don't have me, it this year the thing know? for me as well you, you look at some of the teams that you say kind of who are involved in the relegation battle so to speak <laughs> that the teams that like you probably would have said no they would have been a little Pats bit and higher Bottles, like yeah. Pats in particular well big yeah clubs. like big club, well suppose a big Dublin clubs, you think they wouldn't be there? Everybody's saying like, no, they don't get the win, or oh, they'll be okay come the end of the season. But it's not like that, and I'm sure that the players in them teams will realise that now because we're 11 games in, and if they haven't realised it before, then they, they need to realise it quick that every every game is going to be so massively important. And it's, I think, bar, like I said, bar the top three or four teams, I don't think anybody can sit there confidently and say, no, we're we're going to be fine this yeah. year. I, you know? I I I I mean, I could see Rovers fans saying like are we actually going to be in the relegation zone the way things are going if they lose to Dundalk uh, on Friday which is very possible uh, they've lost so many games are they that much better than yeah, it's, it's unlikely they should be fine they should be fine but at the same time I think there's such little between them and just longer term you know I was looking at the Go United match programme for our next game there was a piece on Kilkenny City you know clubs, clubs that have gone Monaghan United these clubs that have gone should we not be trying to get provincial clubs back into the league rather than what now looks to be the case where we're actually alienating them into the backwater of the first division and you have a 10-team elite division in which you're going to be playing each other four times? And I imagine, Brian, that does get a little bit, uh, a little bit boring, the sense that you're meeting... I mean, you could play a team well, seven or eight times. you draw them in the times. cup then and yeah. then you draw them in another cup or you have a replay in that. And it does get a bit tiresome when you're playing teams over and over. Now, they can go a 10-team league and play each other three times and then have the split, and it makes for more interest and come the end of the season. You know, in terms of top teams are playing each other, going for the title, and bottom teams are fighting against 
each other to to stay up, you know. Well, well, I played in Scotland, obviously, and that's how they won there. But even then, when I played, don't get me wrong, I really enjoyed my time at Hearts up in Scotland. But one thing I would say, play like you, you play a team four times in the league. For me, I don't know, like I don't know from a Comes fan around quickly. From, yeah, yeah, from a fan's point of view, I don't know, like. I always preferred, like, no, you play a team home and then you play them. It was kind of like that, but I don't know. It just, it's just maybe it's because I'm not totally useful. Like, yeah, but well, you, you it also makes me sad looking at uh, Soccer Republic every Monday night and thinking I'm watching three teams here who are going to go down. And if you if you want to say Pats will go down, just this is off the top of my head, Go United, Pats, and I don't think we will go down, but Go United, Pats, and Finn Harps, say it's Drogheda, you're making all this effort and there's a great buzz around all the clubs at the moment because the league is so competitive and then they're into the next season playing against a team that at the minute is like Athlone Town being under suspicion for betting small clubs like Cabin Teeley with all due respect to them playing with no media coverage uh, if Pats got relegated how do they lift themselves? I mean look at it since Shells got relegated mm-hmm. they've become almost like a nothing Well, I, I just I don't me personally I don't understand, I don't know if they've really really taught this through But the ha- re- have they taught it through? That's the whole well, thing I think provincial clubs are massive to the league Of course Because you look like don't disrespect obviously to Dublin clubs and you look when Derry were doing well you know and when they do well Dundalk they all come out you look at Dundalk you look at Sligo Cork City Galway's a big big football town as well when they you know if they mm. get the results and get going and Cork's massive obviously as well down there Waterford's a big town and they're, you know, they're putting money into there that you're just I suppose when they, when they go down to the first division it, it shows in football in the area do you it's know tough one though, uh, but it's tough one though Johnny yeah. here's the thing because they want a more competitive in the top league as well so you can see that way so. but, they're com- but you're coming to a crossroads here and I feel like we, we've, we've talked about this a lot in the show but <clears throat> okay if you have a 12 team Premier Division then what you're doing with the first division you're, you have those eight clubs that are left you're sort of basically saying that they're gone then really as much as you possibly are how do you mean they're gone well I mean you're, you're saying that the first division is going to remain smaller than the Premier Division you know, it, it doesn't have any real purpose. So, I mean, do you bring clubs into it, then maybe that's the other the debate. Like, I think the, the previous 10-team league we had previously before, like seven or eight years ago, you Sporting Fingal, I think you had half Dublin clubs in it. Actually, as it's happened now, the regional clubs are, are at the top of the tree. Well. It actually is quite a regional f- spread, probably in the 10-team next year, more so than we would have had last Without time. Doubt, actually, the first know? division, when I played in it, with Monaghan, and I remember there was a year or two, and maybe it could work for the first vision that way because you had Derry, you had Sporting Fingal, you had UCD flying at the time. Monaghan were doing well. Limerick had started to, you know, get a bit of investment into it. I think Waterford, who else? Shells. You know, there was big clubs, so to say. That's the only thing, Brian. It, it should so, be a better was, first division. It was very, very competitive then. Well, it, yeah. need, so, it needs to be promoted yeah. as well, not like uh, something to be ignored. But like yeah. nobody, nobody acknowledges the first division. Just to, to ask the two of you, right, who's top of the first division at the moment? Um, is it Waterford? I don't know. Yeah. Who, who is it, Brian? Waterford, UCD. No, Waterford. Cove could have went top. Cove have just gone top. Just but like, top. But that, that do is you know, a point. Do you know what I mean? Cove it's like best shells today. The weekend. Yeah. Cove deserve amazing, a lot of credit. And you know, Stephen Henderson, Dan was gutted at start of the season when this was foisted upon them. Because in typical Irish fashion, it was like, oh no, hang on a sec, there's only one team going up. I know, but it's a tough one, and I, I take Stephen's point. You know that. People don't seem to acknowledge it. I would say even like media-wise, it's not covered that much. The argument you we would get if we went to discuss that, let's say people we work for and stuff, is they look at the crowds at the games. You I know? wouldn't disagree, and, and and that is that is the problem. I mean, 
I just think the, like you have to figure out is the broader plan here about just getting clubs to like leave the league and so we end up at 16 or something because if you have a 12 and an 8 it's a bit imbalanced I don't know what happens to that second division do you look at putting everyone in and but, splitting the season halfway through but if you do a 16 like how competitive will all the 16 well, that's be the 16 know? to me I, I, you know, I, I know when scouts have come over to watch players in recent years and you know they're playing against and is that an amateur team they're playing against and it's very hard for them to judge and also if you have a team going into Europe and you want them to do well do you want them to have very uncompetitive games I don't think that's ideal absolutely when you consider the most positive thing that happens is European results so you have to look at and say what's the strongest league we can have to prepare our teams for Europe we should bring bring you in on that Brian Uh, I was obviously I was asked quite a few of the games in Europe last year um, along with Dan and some other journalists as well it was was amazing to even watch it and are you just buzzing to get I know the league's your priority but you must be buzzing to get back into that zone again Uh, I know it's going to be difficult for you you're not seated and all that but what a journey it was yeah, listen, it was phenomenal, and um, this experience, I think it will only sink in, really, you know, when you stop playing or in a few years to come. But Really? Um, I suppose in the off-season, you look back, I look back more with regret. Well, your, we your Air Sports, um, you know? the end-of-season documentary where you're talking about, like, closing the curtains and how disappointed you were with some individual mistakes that you made yeah, and how, like how raw it, it seemed to be. Well, that's it, and it, it took me a f- couple of months a few months to get over it you know but that's football everyone makes mistakes but it's something I suppose I've only played in this country or up in north that I wasn't I was never used to that exposure you, you know you in a want that game exposure that, but then this is the other side of that, it but then it? you know and you have great days like Alkmaar away the first game and it's one of the best games I've ever played I think you know personally and then at home to Maccabi and we win and you have them and you want them and you know we're competitive against Senna and then you get the you get the highs and the lows and you just got to take it but um I suppose it was something new to me, so you just sort of well over it now, and you get on with it. Um, but in terms of the the journey, like it was, it was something else. But when we look forward to this year, we can't. We're not in a position where we could look to Europe now. We can only look to Friday, and it. I know you think it might be cliches and and so on, but there's so much football to play before Europe, and if we just think about Europe that that would be the league gone by then you know? is it any incentive for players to play in the League of Ireland that could otherwise play in sort of League 1 or League 2 that you'll have a go in Europe or is it ultimately all about money or is the league getting to a place um, now that it's more uh, I think you know if lads get the opportunity to play League 1 League 2 it's it's your stepping stone you're in the league you're on good money your full time career it's more secure longer contract um, and like you're looking, looking to climb the I ladder just, there. Yeah. I'll go back to that one. Like, see, just sorry. No, you mentioned like players whether they want to play in the League of Ireland or go and play in say League One or like top League One Championship or even. I think players choose to go over there. Like he says, I think you go over there. You think of the bigger picture. You, you look at what the two lads have gone over. They go over there. All of us. I know they were in the national team squad before they went to Preston, but all of a sudden they're at Preston. What was it? A couple of months, and they both made their international debut. Now. Me personally, I, I've obviously played a lot of my football in the UK, and I'm not, I'm not saying that the standard is poor in Ireland or the standard, but I do think when you go over there and it's like every day, every day you have to like it's it's to, it's a totally different mindset I think to football than the league than the league is over here, and I think when you experience, I'm sure if you've spoken to any of the lads, they they may even explain it's like you kind of go go over there and it's you have to be it's it's people's livelihood is a, is a, a, a stage. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. the lads the lads that are playing in the, that level. The, they're playing football full time since they're like 14, 15 and they don't have anything else going for them. So 
they're like literally out there they try and the hardest to kind of forge this career to set them up for the rest of their life as 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 much as they can because they don't think of like they if you said to them oh what what would you stay in ireland to kind of you might get a few a little bit of a european run now don't get me wrong what dundalk done last year was incredible it, it took the kind of caught everybody's eye in europe like but i think that that's that's kind of uh, that was a one-off like, a fairy tale. do you know what I mean totally I don't, I'm not saying twice, he's yeah. not, I'm going to do it no, again exactly, but like yeah. it's, it's, it hasn't been done very often so players know this they know that they're not going to say oh yeah I'm going to go and play play in the League of Ireland just because I can have a run in, in the European but they, they want to go over there and take right like he says get a good contract get, kind of build up a good kind of profile for yourself and possibly kind of get even get the riches of like Ford or even up in the, in the yeah. in English kind of... But I think, I think what, you'd, what, what the ideal world is, you have to always be realistic, but you'd like to, to be able to build something here that's somehow sustainable so that it's not that it's, uh, people are going more often from here to championship well, I clubs. I think that's, to, what, that's why the know, change in the rules, obviously, with the, the bringing in the, the underage structure yeah. for the League of Ireland. Like the, I think they're going to bring it in from under 13s, I think, from what I'm hearing. So they're, they're trying to improve it. Like, now, there's no... There's no fix that you can fix it straight away because you played in Scotland for example I think Scotland's an interesting case because Mm. um, it's a small country Scotland Mm. now obviously you have the Celtic Rangers thing but their crowds actually below it are pretty good for the the population like football is a huge deal you go into the the clubs there all the clubs like of like say Hibernian Hearts Aberdeen Dundee United Dundee Falkirk even the proper academy structured like they're all it's proper full time football from like and I, I don't think people quite fully understand that. They might look at Scotland and go, that's only Scotland. But it's not. It's, like, it's, it's proper like football. Like proper it's an industry. Thing. Yeah, it's and that's, that's like, you, how many young players? There's a lot of young players that go from Scotland down to Eng- England and like become internationals. A lot more than, say, I, what I think. Than, I know we've obviously had a, a lot of players that come from the league, but I think if you put them together with Scotland, there'll be a lot more from Scotland because... The, the the base there to improve as a young lad is, is is better than Ireland at the moment and that's what we have to change in this country and I think we're we're making steps towards I doing think it that. started because mm. we could see in the last couple of years you know we've signed a couple of lads that have come back from the UK Scotland and and England and I think because we've shown that the standard of the league here can be that high and can mm. be that good but we need to keep it going you know what mm. I mean like you can't rest on your laurels yeah. like, you know what I mean like you you need People should look at what Dundalk done last year and think, you know what, that could be us. And it, like you said, Waterford have put a few money in because everybody all of a sudden are thinking, you know what, why can't that be us? Yeah. But the Dock only have a couple of full-time staff mm. away from the playing staff. And you, that is the, the, they're little things that matter. But you, know? it's, it's the mo- you need to have people to come in with that mindset, to, to have that hunger. Like you, need, you, you, you can't fall into the trap of just being like, oh yeah, I'm League of Ireland, but I'm League of Ireland, so it doesn't really matter. You have to, I'm sure the Dundalk, Dundalk lads last year like gave everything everything for the cause and we're seeing on the pitch they they, they, they matched like some of the top teams in Europe and, it, and that that was no that was no fluke. That was from I'm sure proper training folks and preparing properly for the games, which is how you have to what you have to do to kind of get to the top. Over over here you've got to even if you're part time, you're practically full time. You've got mm. to give everything like Stephen says, you're training your in three days and then playing your match. You're in the gym another two or three days. You're you're training full time. You can right? be part time, but like you even in your what was it like when you started, Brian? You can be huh? When you started, what was it like? What when you? I started, when I was with Monaghan, I would have been. What age been you know, Brian? Thirty, just gone thirty there last November. So when I was with, I was with Bray and Shells, but I started playing, you know, every week with with Monaghan, and we would have trained Tuesday, Thursday, or Monday, Wednesday, play Friday, same thing. Sometimes being on the weekend. Um, now there wasn't then, you know, giving your gym programs and all that, but. 
the industry I was in, I did a sports management degree and I was a personal trainer and stuff like that. So I was into it anyway, so I'd be doing that. But to, I worked that hard to, to get there, to be at that fitness level. Now all the clubs are doing it, mm. right? And that's the thing. And people aren't being, play, being paid sorry, um, full-time money or even that much money for the amount of hours they're doing. But it's yeah. dedication, it's a love for the game. You have to be professional. You can, yeah. you can be part-time, but you can be professional in, in stuff you do. Like For me now, I consider myself a part-time player because I'm playing and I'm doing other things as well. But at the same time, I'm still giving me... You're I'm trying, I'm trying to, I'm yeah. trying to kind of do things the right way as if I w was still playing in the UK. Although I, I'm not training every single... I'm not waking up every morning and going into training or a football club. I'm not doing that. I'm still trying to do similar things that what I was doing when I was playing because... Well, I, like I'm, I'm 33 now and I've had bad injuries, but I still need to prepare my body and make sure I'm able to compete and train with... Train, you, like, you wake up in the morning, you have to think about your Yeah, because I want because I feel like if I'm going to play, I might as well try and give him. There's no point in me just coming back and, and, and playing just for the sake, yeah, I'm still playing. Like I, I said, if I felt that way, I wouldn't play. I, I want to play now just to, to still give give everything I possibly can. And you want to play beyond this season now? Of, yeah, yeah, of course. Well, now, as I said, I. You seem no, to be feeling good and better as it with every. Yeah, week. there's no reason to, to stop. I don't think there's any reason for me to stop playing as. as if I feel like I'm still affecting games, then I'll continue to play in that. But no, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. And I think that comes from the individual, whether you're like 18, 22, 27, you have to apply yourself properly. Otherwise, you get found out. And that's just the way. It, I know it's, it's, it's not black and white, but to me, if you're going to play the game, whether you're, you're walking as well. If you want well, to get to the top yeah, as well, you've got to put in more than... Just, I, I just don't understand. Like, I don't understand people that are playing and they, they don't try everything possible we're in what their situation that they can do why they don't do did it did you encounter much of that in the UK at various levels did you meet kids in academies later on who just weren't we spoke a bit about earlier on who just weren't dedicated to the of game of course you see, you see people that kind of that were in the game you think geez, they were unbelievable when I was a young kid but then in time they, they probably got a little bit carried away with themselves maybe didn't didn't apply, apply themselves as best as they could but you see the other you see the other side of it as well people that probably didn't have as much ability but they literally dragged everything thing out, out possible I, for example I heard you talking about Stephen Ward there I played with yeah, Wardy I, in the national I was going to ask for an example yeah, so, and, yeah. Like, and he, I was at Wolves with him and Wardy you know, like, Wardy went over as a, as a striker do you know what I mean yeah. and then he, Mick had him in every position he, he ended up playing left wing like, I think he moved backwards and now he's, he's, he's Ireland's first choice left back and that, that's not no fluke that's come from like I've seen a force Hammond Wardy he, he would go in and he would do everything possible to kind of forder himself whether that's in the gym out on the training pitch he'd always be doing extra always listening and listening to advice never ignoring stuff and he's, he's reaped the benefits of it and as I said he's a prime example about wherever, wherever level anybody's playing at how they can kind of get themselves get themselves that little bit extra out of themselves that they may need to go a little bit further than what people thought he may do and how important Brian has Stephen Kenny been in your career and has he better you as a player I suppose working under him yeah, it's massive. Obviously, you know, signing signing for Dundalk that time. I was. Were you surprised? I was about to sign for um, Shells or Drada. Shells were bottom of the league at the time, and I've been travelling my whole life. You know, up to Monaghan, up to Portadown beforehand playing, and I was thinking, sick of it, sick of it. you know driving, and I was about to sign for Shells under Johnny Mack, and then I was just when I was, I was returning the call, I got a voicemail from Stephen, and ended up meeting him, and. Um, you know, I couldn't. Have, I couldn't have seen what was coming down the line the next four years. Did he? Did he sell it to you, or did he just say, "Listen, we're putting together a team here, and it's going to be a journey"? Or yeah, no, he did. I don't really want to go into detail, you know, between me and him, sort of thing. But I didn't. Was the long silences in the phone call, or is it sort of did it run through? <laughs> we uh, we had a few phone calls, <laughs> and uh, 
it was actually on a Wednesday. It's going to be in your autobiography. It wasn't until a Monday I signed. Um, Five days. So, yeah. Well, a, so even the way you speak, I'm just listening to you speak there, you go on about how like you've been travelled all over in League of Ireland, you're Monaghan, part-time, ported down, and you're saying you apply just properly. And to me now, you're somebody, he's an example of somebody that's reaping the benefits. He's gotten to the top of the League of Ireland. He's, he's had, oh, like, I've, I've only got there from working that's hard, what I'm saying. I'll be like, honest it, with you. It's, it's like, like yeah, I, yeah, I, it's talent. Well. I would have trained no, full-time on like, my own, it, nearly. You yeah, know? yeah, but that's what I'm saying. But like, you can have talent, but you, yeah. if, if you don't apply yourself properly, then talent's no use. And listen to, obviously briefly just listen to what he's speaking about now he he seems to me as somebody that has kind of tried and dra- dragged wherever he could out of himself and he's, he's he's been really successful over the last few years and he's he's been one of the probably reasons I, I, I wasn't a big massive follower of the League of Ireland in the last few years and I've watched a lot of it and he watching Dundalk he's been he's been one of the leaders on the pitch and, and yeah. well, you need luck, story you need luck yeah. along the way you need a break it, you, know? you, need, you do need a break that's as well. the story of that Dundalk team though that it wasn't necessarily the bunch of players that would have been a picked. lot of us weren't recognised. No, yeah, you would have been around the league. Dane Massey, even Andy Boyle, like Andy they weren't. Michelle's. They wouldn't have been on the top list of mm. like players to sign at that yeah. point. But it, that seems to be the story that, as you mentioned, the lads who come to their peak in their late twenties. Mm. It, it seems to be a thing in football, like Stephen Ward. You mentioned mm. that you have that cut-off point, and some lads just soar when they get to the middle th- point. There's always going to be talent and players coming through, no matter like maybe some sometimes more than others. But there's always going to be somebody out there that has talent, whether they want to apply themselves and get get wherever they can out of it, and it's up to themselves. But you'll never you'll never kind of go look in the league of Ireland and say, "Oh, there's nobody there with talent." That, there's, there's yeah. always talent there. It's just actually it's just on that as well. I'm going to bring you into this, Brian. Are you are you surprised that there hasn't been more overseas interest in Patrick McElhenney? Um Maybe there hasn't. We just don't know. You know, I don't. I don't know. The lads keep a lot of stuff close to their chest, but I'm sure. Um, even when Andy and, and Daryl, you know, last year there was a lot of lads. They knew early on in the year the suitors they had and that. A lot of us didn't know for a good while. You know, lads keep that close close to their chest, and they don't want to get involved. You know, they leave it with, with an agent and stuff like mm. that. Um, as much Patrick's phenomenal player, like his ability, and something that people didn't know was just his power and pace. He glides. Pace? Oh, he glides by people. His his power acceleration, like he'll just glide by players, and then he's got the skill, the technical ability. You it's know? hard even to say what foot is his best foot. He's just he'll like take, so naturally. He'll take take corners, free kicks with either foot if he needed to. Yeah. You know? What sort of guy you see around the dress? Room? Lovely fella. He'd be quiet, quiet enough, but he's crack as well you know he's a lovely fella we're uh, at LOI Weekly on Twitter and we have some tweets Dan a couple of questions Brian this is one for Brian ask Brian if his appearances as a ringer in the Dublin Astro League gave him a love <laughs> of playing on synthetic surfaces and if this influenced his decision to eventually sign for Dundalk this sounds like a scandal here <laughs> it actually it probably did have an influence Eamon, Eamon Donoghue I don't know if any of it is Eamon it is Eamon I didn't want to reveal yeah. he's a high flying media he, uh, professional over RTE, yeah, um, yeah. I think he might have been part of part of Dundalk's so enemy. You know, he would, might have said, "Sort of, you know, I was free and looking about sign with someone else." And Preston uh, the road leagues was it? Uh, it was. I used to play the uh, the Astro the leagues. Astro leagues. Yeah. Astro leagues. Yeah. And uh, I wouldn't play if they wanted me to play centre half. I used to play with a load of different teams. I'd only play up front or, or in the middle. Up but uh, that team actually hadn't won a, hadn't won a game. Avon's team hadn't won a game, and then they won some cup game. I think 
we won one nil. The lads were on top of the car with bottles spraying it everywhere. Like. And what was your what, what were you registered under then? Were you under like sort of a John Doe sort of name? Ah, oh, the league didn't get Astro.ie league. Yeah, yeah. Like we've, we've all played a bit of that dance. Yeah, and I Ro- reported on it. But that's a long story. Rory yeah. Gilson and uh, <laughs> I, I played with Pip Kyo in that league actually. Oh, uh, there the you are. Bit of name dropping there. Uh, Rory Gilson, and this is I could definitely relate to. I played with Alan Colley as well, but you don't like to talk about that. But anyway. Rory Gilson and please thank Garth for winning me a few quid over the years great bet for first score uh, until cer- a certain bookmaker pulled in the odds and uh, your goal scoring uh, achievements you know maybe haven't been appreciated enough because you've been a phenomenal tally of goals for centre half yeah I've been lucky over the last few years to get to get so many but like our, our deliveries you know Is it a lot of the times right place right time and you need a bit of luck and um our deliveries, I don't know how many Darren Maynard had assists of them. Like, But even when Richie, you know, if he wasn't on it, you had Richie and you had John Mountain, you know, Daryl Hogan sort of thing. But yeah, hopefully I can uh, get it going again. I'm a couple behind the season. Stephen, what was it like working with Mick McCarthy? This is a question. Um, the best manager you've played under, would you say, Mick? Was Mick? Um, he was... He was probably the best man manager I've played under. a good under. impression of him, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to do that again. You want to do that again, do you? Come on, Johnny. Rips a bloody loop. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do. <Sleeves. laughs> nah, he's a... Uh, Mick was great. He was he was great for young lads as well. Like, he, he, he had this knack of kind of getting the best out of young players. He, he made you, as a young player, to really... You'd run through walls for him. And he, I think he's, he's he was very good tactically as well. Like, he knew when to kind of mix, mix up his team, his formations and stuff, which probably people don't talk about as much, but... I, I do think he, he was definitely the, one of the my favourite managers to walk alongside. He was. Is it, is it amazing how he survived? Like, I mean, I know he's, he seems to be still under pressure at Ipswich, but he's mm. the longest serving manager in the championship now by some distance. They still seem to be talking about his future the whole time, but like he's managing since 1992, pretty much non-stop. Like yeah, that says something wow. about he's him, in there. He's, as I said, he's in there a long time managing, and I know Ipswich. He seems to kind of come to a stage where he's not kind of he's kind of standing still but I still think he has another promotion in him like I, I think if he gets the right club that kind of gets no, yeah with, with somebody that kind of you know one of these t- clubs that are possibly coming down and are willing to back them in the in the market he knows how to he knows the players he needs to get out of that league and I know I know for a fact that he hasn't been given he hasn't been given any funds at Ipswich to kind of get the players that you I know you can say yeah you Anybody can do so for funds, but you need you need to have the kind of man management skills to kind of get yourself out of that league. Because it after playing in that league, it's the toughest league to, to ever play in. And yeah, yeah. So who else did you enjoy working under then? If it was, a, I know you've had a lot of managers. To I've be had, fair, geez, I've, I've had so many clubs now. I've a long <laughs> list of managers, but um, I like working with Brian Kerr as well with the national team and all through the, the younger levels. He just he, he was he, he just made you laugh if anything as well. Like, but he he knew when to be serious as well. Like he. Going out in the dressing room, he he made like he made the ma- the game feel like it was your last game you're ever gonna play, and that if you didn't lose that, then everybody would be devastated. Oh, the whole world. yeah. So that that's the kind of thing he got. he was a great motivational kind of guy. He, I don't know. Even some games, if they didn't like, you know, if they weren't important games, even international games like friendlies or something, you'd go, you'd go out there and you'd be thinking like there'd be tears in your eyes seeing the national anthem just because of what he'd, he'd said to you in the dressing room. And, and Ben uh, Carpenter as well for Stephen. I'd like to know is Roy Keane as scary as they say, and was there a specific instance that you can share? Uh, Roy had his moments. Like uh, I'm, I'm, I think sometimes though Roy as well. I think he used to do things just for a reaction in the dressing room, like. Uh, as I said, I think I mentioned before, he, he took down a tactic board once, but... It's just a karate kick. Yeah, here, but I'm sure yeah. I've seen him, like, uh, in the dressing room before the match, seeing if he had the power to take it <laughs> down, like, so I think that was a pre-planned thing, but, no, he was, uh, 
he's, he was very intimidating, Roy. Obviously, he has this aura about him that, like... You was he intimidating as a player? Yeah. Well, well, I played with him briefly in the national team as a... Was uh, he intimidating to play with? Oh, I know. When I played, when I played with him in the national team, I, I was... That's all I could think about in the dressing room. I was looking over across the dressing room and I was just like, geez, there's Roy Keane. Wherever you do, if he passes you the ball, do not lose it because I was only... Was I Is that a good or a bad thing? I don't know. Well, I, I Brian, what do you think? <laughs> Depends who you are. Yeah. You well, know, some players, yeah. that, that spurs them on. Other players, they crawl up. Yeah, well, I, as I said, going back to the state, I was just... like For me, I was kind of a bit in awe of him because like, obviously it wasn't too long after the Saipan incident yeah. and obviously I was playing under Mick at Sunderland at the time. So I was just... I was thinking, God, what, should I pass? I was thinking, will Mick be happy with me if I start passing the ball? Loyalties, yeah. <laughs> but like, no, no, he was he was very intimidating. But as a player playing underneath him as a manager, he he got he was he was very he, he could be very like sharp with his tongue. He could take take a player down like in a second, like and make you feel so small, like. And he'd say sometimes he'd say some things, and then he'd contradict himself, and you'd, you'd be sitting there thinking, why is he saying that? Like I remember one time he went to the dressing room at Sunderland, and he was like. I've not seen any of you make a tackle or shout or anybody. I've not seen one player like have a go or anybody like on the team. Yeah. when we were losing a few games, so with that um, we came in. I think <laughs> at half time in one of the games, I don't know who we were playing at the stage of my life, but Graham Cavanaugh, like Graham Cavanaugh, used to live on every wood. Roy said he used to love him, right? <laughs> so Graham's come in and grabbed Danny Collins like by the scruff of the neck, like, and I'm sure Graham's <laughs> just say, right, look at me, I've grabbed him now. Do you know what I mean? But Roy said, "Cav, what are you doing? Let him bloody." He didn't say bloody. He was swearing. Yeah. Let him go. So Cav, I could see Cav sitting they're thinking I don't understand this guy like you know what I mean because he's telling us like that he, he wants, wants aggression he wants aggression and then you go and like have a bit of a kind of but I think he wants it but I think he wants to be the guy with the aggression That that's something I've never really figured out with Roy as a manager what style of play he wants like that's the, one of these things that you watch him on the sideline even with Ireland and he's always speaking mm-hmm. about aggression and stuff just, like that I think he just wants winners he wants people commitment that, he, wants, he wants to see people that don't like shirk duties he wants people to get on the ball if they're, if they're there to get on the ball he wants people to make tackles he doesn't he like he, he's very aware of people that hide on the pitch and I think that that's that's one of his main strengths he knows if somebody's playing within themselves and if they don't really want to be out there and as I said I think he's in the in the positions he's in now I think he's sitting back and he's taking his time and learning a little bit more about what it possibly takes to be a manager and I said I would not be surprised if he comes back uh, in managing he's a big, big League of Ireland fan as well Roy and genuinely yeah. so as well not just uh, it's not, it's not, not, not just platitudes like, no, I, was, like, I, I know he speaks to people regularly and I think he was popped up at some Limerick game this year and it wasn't just for like no, that, scouting uh, yeah, when purposes we, when yeah. we played Limerick he was down at the yeah. game like, so we do, maybe to see sleeves I, did, um, I wasn't playing that day so he, was, he would have been disappointed <laughs> so from one great striker to another uh, one question here for Brian uh, who was the best player you faced in the European run would it be Giuliano or yeah that's who I'd say I know uh, Witzel's the the big name Giuliano and Crescito I thought he was the, the Italian guy oh, yeah, pronounce them very well actually don't yeah, you yeah, I rehearsed it earlier. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think he played left back yeah or Italian international in the yeah. second game so but he was he was brilliant but like Brian you went over there playing Zenit in Tala which wasn't even your own home ground you're a header off the post from going 2 0 up and having seven points after three games. Top of the, top of the group. And then you, Dan actually watched this game in my uh, gaff and we'd like five or six people over. And you, cook for, you cook for me, Johnny. Cook for it. Yeah. And we watched the Zenit game and Patrick McElhenney hits the uh, woodwork like yeah, with a few minutes that, yeah. left yeah, to, to get a two all draw in Zenit. Like, uh, I don't know. I mean, and, and, and Witzel's gone to China now. And he's, he's, he's headed <laughs> off. Yeah. 18 million or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, I. I yeah, I mean, 
maybe you're right when you say it's going to take that long for, for it to dawn on, on you what, what you did because you did it with such a, a little budget against uh, a team on a 140 million budget or whatever it was. And uh, I suppose the mistakes that you made, it was all a product of you trying to play the game the right way as well. Yeah, that's the way the gaffer wants us to play. And, you know, obviously... Not not with the mistakes, but you know, it's it's our ethos. You don't hoof the ball. We've played that the whole time, yeah. And um we've got people showing for the ball, you know, in different areas we've got our systems of play and we don't just build it down the pitch and that now maybe that's the case that there's times that you do, but listen, it's not just me. A lot of people make mistakes, you know, with different games, different things. If you go through them all, you're just gonna you know, you're gonna batter yourself sort of thing. But um, I, th- I think you did wonders for the league. I've said it many times, and hopefully this year Cork and the other three teams will do well. Um, and just I guess very briefly, you're playing Rovers in Tala Friday. Yeah, looking forward to it. Obviously, uh, there are always feisty games between us and Rovers at the start of the season. Was was a uh, good few kicks got in. And, spicy you know, affair, wasn't yeah, it? Spicy, yeah. I suppose that's the word you're looking for. <laughs> yeah. So kind of um, need to win the game. Yeah. Listen. We need to we need to win every game going forward You're now. Sticking some added pressure on him here, right? Yeah. I haven't got to you yet. You're playing, you're playing going United. Do, do, you, do you need to win the game, please? <laughs> I think you need to win every week. Yeah, don't exactly. You? You're, not, you're not going to go out but and say, "Oh, we don't need to win." Yeah, you know, so. it is true. A player never comes out and says, "I think we need to draw this game yeah, this yeah. week." You know, we'll draw the next two and probably lose the tour and after that, and then next <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get two wins. Yeah. Yeah. You have a soft enough touch against Go United on Friday, so you're looking forward to that. Yeah, well, we're actually, I'm actually not happy that they. Be, I'm happy they've got that win under the belt, and they're not coming to us chasing chasing the first win because you, you, you're hoping that they might come there, come to draw that kind of feeling a little bit extra confident, and then hopefully they're in for a surprise. Great having both of you on the show, and uh, yeah, a long way to go in the season ahead, and uh, two polished media operators in waiting. I think. Yeah, uh, pretty much. Yeah, I think we're done soon enough, and the lads can just present the show from this point onwards. <laughs> you know, come the end of the season, maybe. Best of luck for the rest of the season, lads. Cheers, Cheers thanks, guys. Thanks, thanks If Cork win and Dundalk don't, we'll have nothing to talk about, Dan, for the duration. Well, the relegation battle every week. Yeah. We we'll just pick our three teams every week, and we we'll just change it. Yeah. That was last week, and uh, I wasn't exactly predicting Galway United would beat Dundalk, but uh, as... You've predicted Galway would surprise someone every other week, and the one week you didn't... Last one in about nine games. Yeah. And I said we'd give them a game, I think. Well, I mean, that's um, technically what you'd, you'd give everyone a game. It's one of these cliches, isn't it? No, it wasn't. Game. It wasn't, actually. Give them a game. What's that even mean? No, because people were talking about Galway United getting cut off. By the next podcast, we're going to be out of the relegation zone. That's my prediction. There we go. Okay. Because we play Derry on Monday as well. Now, you're going to give us like the best price winner of all time here in the League of Ireland, Finn Harps away to Cork City on Friday night. The best price winner. I mean, should we even be endorsing gambling in the, in the, in the week that's in it, Johnny? You know, this is, a, this is an ethical question that we face. Uh, no, I think Cork to win that game. Harps actually, just, they know they lost to Bowles last week. They've, I was doing team news for that game and their injury list sort of Not nearly, good. Nearly took me across into an extra page. So yeah. um, I think they need a lot to go right to beat Cork and being without so many players, presuming they're all still out, but yeah, it's not that if you, that's not the game where Cork going to drop points. I don't think home win, home win, home win for me. Shamrock Rovers versus Dundalk. Yeah, it's. A, I mean, this the there's serious tension hanging over this game. You know, talk about classic cliches. You know, it's the game neither side can afford to lose, but they, you know, they really can't. Um, Vaguely true. Um, I mean, Rovers that, that concession against Limerick it's sort of the story of their season in some ways that they've um, it's it's dreadful it seems to be that. a general team though you know after games you know did very well in the first half or 
then we lost away a bit and that seems to be a theme a lot of the interviews but it's not it's just that not having that game management and the ability to close games out normally you'd say Dundalk would punish that clinically only for the fact that Dundalk have lost that aura that they would have had that they would clinically punish this but I would say as well um, I still think Rovers are a team that probably set, try and be positive enough in how they play and Dundalk have a great record in Tala not, I mean, not just against Rovers in Europe they love the pitch big open pitch if Rovers come out and try and play then Dundalk can try and break and get more space than they might against teams that just want to be hard to beat um, now they need to create more chances than they did against Galway but um, I would I would just lean for a Dundalk win but not with the confidence that you would when you consider in October they steamroll Rovers and Tala long time ago that reminded me a bit of Homer ringing up for the American football tips and it was like the longest phone call ever and then eventually they gave you a tentative kind of result because it was like pay per minute sort of stuff you're tensively Dundalk tensively Dundalk I'm completely with you again Uh, I'm going to go with an away win Bray Wanderers are hot odds-on favourites to beat St. Patrick's Athletic. Who would have thought? It's sort of a big game for Bray this because like, even just the, the fact that they are resounding favourites to beat Pats at home who are in the relegation zone, it's almost like the new order between them. You know, they would have started are you a the fan season. of the band, the new order? Yeah, I would be quite a fan, fan yeah, of the new Adam order. Yeah, in particular, Blue Monday? Uh, regret. Quite yeah. like regret, yeah. In general? Yeah, just, yeah. And, and also new order, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm a big fan of regrets yeah. as a thing. Um, but, but I think Bray are in a position where it's there for them to go on and just establish themselves as a top three club this year. They have a small bit of a cushion as it is. Um, and Pats at home is a game they shouldn't really be fearful of. I think Pats can get something out of this. Uh, they've been a bit unfortunate without a great deal of conviction. Derry City at home to Bohemians, this has to be a home win. They've not been playing badly, they've just conceded too many goals. They're missing a lot of chances in games. It is striking, you're, you know, you're watching a lot of games and there's always the opposition keeper. It was a Conor O'Malley last week. Unbelievable making, performance making by the Mayo saves. man. And he's like, he's a good keeper, you know. Um, Highly but rated But the, the problem is then, what, how do you feel about Pats being unlucky if their keeper's been dragging them out of a hole in a game like that? I mean, that's the, the anti-Pats view there, the negative Pats I think view. they haven't blossomed yet. Well, they played well against Cork for an hour, but they've, they only have Fagan back. They don't look like... As much as they scored twice last week, they're not a team that's, you know, as attacking a force Home as win. it was last year. Um... I don't know. Bows have been dogged. I just wonder, could that be a draw again? Derry just can't seem to get that momentum going. I would, I would go for a draw on that one. Draw the United Galway very briefly. I know you fancy Galway here. I sort of like Steve's, you know, Stephen's point. Um, Galway having that win uh, might just come to Galway in great form and, and draw to be sort of ready for them. Um, the like, first time I met you was in United Park. After a long-term internet relationship. It was, yeah. It was Rory like, O'Connor, now of the Irish Independent, uh, former mayor of South Dublin, Dermot Looney. Got a golf game. It was like, uh, you know, back then the League of Ireland community was like just sort of a platonic Tinder-based thing, you know? You just sort of chat to people. Strange, strangers. You're, you're sort of providing a nexus between UI and Tinder. You know? What's UI? You and I like. Oh, you and I. Yeah, well, I mean, you just said it was a long-term internet relationship. I mean, the, yeah. the language you use there is... Dan's getting married, actually, in the near future, <laughs> I should mention. By yeah. the way, um, that particular game, yeah. one of the worst goals of all time. Jason Cavey. Jason Cavey. Is it his son who's now with Cove under-17s? Because there was a Cavey of kids, and I was like, are they... Yeah. 
Well, I mean, he did look like him, but I mean, I would like to, you know, to research that before taking a speculative guess, Johnny. Jason Kaby, I think it was his only goal for us, and he, I don't think he even two touched y- the ball. Two-yard classic, yeah. Jason Kaby, City. Galway United are going to win this game. There's two Galway United fans that game, I think. No, there's more than that. Galway United are going to win this game. They are? Yeah, Why you ask me for a prediction when you're just you're telling What's me What's your prediction? Um, I, I, is there goal-scoring confidence that Galway can just go there and really... You know, dominate and win and draw there. Who who are quite good draw there. I think they've been solid enough. I might I might just go for a I might go for a home win there just to wind you up a bit. Sligo Rovers versus Limerick on Saturday. Yeah, we'll have to see what happens Limerick manager wise. There could be developments. I think this week. Really. Um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're sort of snookered here. We're, we're speaking about this on Wednesday. So if people are listening to this, just remember that we've... You did know, you watch the snooker at the weekend? Friday. I did, yeah. Did you have a, a Ken Doherty conversation or something? Oh, we had Ken Doherty on, uh, yeah. on another station during the week. Yeah. This isn't a radio talk. station. No, this, no, this, is, not a radio this is our own podcast yeah. station. We can, we can talk about other, you know... Radio stations, but yeah. not other podcasts. No. Have you ever played ball with Ken Doherty? No, you have. Yeah. No. Just Carly playing that game as well? He was. Yeah, <laughs> there you he go. Was. But it was mainly... There's Ken always... It's like the six I degrees of Carly with you, isn't Keith it? Darty was, Ken Darty was right back. <laughs> You've lost like, your nerve completely since Carly's mentioned. It. You're just trepping over your words. I still love you, Alan. <laughs> um, do we give a prediction here? Actually? Sligo against Limerick. Um, I don't... I feel like I know enough about this Sligo team under Jerry Little. Like, you're what's a the Ireland journalist. You should know all these... I know things. everything about them. Uh, hard to call, though, isn't it? it that is, is a, a tough game. That is a tough game. I'm going to go draw. Yeah, I mean, if, you're, if it's hard to call, just go draw. It's the safest option. And into the first division at Lone Town are at home to Cove Ramblers, a game that's going to attract, obviously, a lot of attention. But what should be uh, the main attention here is that Cove are top of the table. Amazing achievement so far. And considering, I imagine, their resources compared to Watford or David versus Goliath, uh, fair play to Henderson, the boys down there, and an amazing goal against uh, Shells as well by Caulfield, which you'll find on YouTube. One of the best goals I've seen all season. UCD are flying quite high as well, playing Wexford. And Waterford play Shelburne, which will be an intriguing game. And Cabo and Longford is another uh, interesting game. Both sides in yeah. a reasonable I bit of form. I must say, I saw Waterford on, on Monday against Dundalk, and they were quite good. Now, it was a weekend on Dundalk side. Uh, Waterford were okay, but they had two lads on loan from Swindon um, who have left. That was their last game for the club in the terms of their loan. There was a guy, Tom Smith, who basically, small uh, red-haired fella, who at the end... I, did, I should have known this, but he went over and like was shaking hands with all the fans in the away section. Oh, that's nice. And that was like his his good boy. Two teenagers, two nice players, two toddy players, two sm- sort of small lads. Two losses in the ball. Well, they would. I mean, they haven't necessarily always been involved. The spit's been pretty prominent. I think Evans had a few injuries and stuff, but um, but uh, it's sort of that arrangement with Swindon is unusual. Did they get more loanees in to replace them? I think the one thing about the first division that will happen is that if Waterford are struggling midway through the season, they probably will have the means to bring in players. Maybe the other teams they're going with won't be able to do that, and that could and, be the problem. And yeah, and I suppose it is a them. sad. Con- yeah, it's a sad consequence of uh, the ten team thing that isn't mentioned very often is that how bloody hard it is to get out of the first division this season uh, but later on in the season we'll definitely bring in a couple of guests uh, to do with the first division because it's it's become a really exciting race actually that was uh, week 11 of LOI Weekly we're on we should we haven't had Stitcher. an iTunes SoundCloud reference tonight we're Stitcher on, I think I did at the start uh, I'm not even sure if you did you were, just we're on SoundCloud iTunes and Stitcher I mean people know this they're listening to the bloody thing I know, you know? But is there a podcast for public now as well someone said I, mean, I don't even know what that oh, is yeah, either that, that could be on the old Android or, or if something you're, yeah. 
if you're I, listening on a laptop because it doesn't work on your Android, your life can be sorted now. It's there. Just get Podcast Republic. Sort out Don't know what it is. Now, in fairness, I mean, it's just switching the medium. Yeah, but oh. like you, you want to listen to it on the go. Yeah, where do you listen to this? In the gym? Do you listen to it? Uh, in the morning I don't listen back to it that much it's a bit Guy sort of produces and listens to two podcasts before he goes to bed every night actually. yeah that's an interesting yeah. Um, yeah. way of doing things interesting. I, uh, he said that but I didn't want to know what type of podcast he listened to and they didn't ask no anyway He's but listen if people want to listen to this before they go to bed at night we thoroughly encourage it a second time as well and uh, thanks to the guys for coming in big big week ahead again as it's been uh, you know every week of the season and uh, we'll see you for episode 11 for episode 12 next week